Hello, Sonoma. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be here with my guest, Kate Bruno. She is a surfer, a drummer, a local Sonoman, an extreme sports aficionado, a radio host, and so much more. So I can't wait to get started on this program with her. Kate is with me here in the studio. Kate, how are you today? Hey, hey. Can you hear me? Am I coming through? You're coming through loud oh, and clear. Well, thank you so much for having me uh, on the show today. Oh my gosh, it's such a pleasure. You are a Sonoma legend in more ways than one. Oh. And this is not your first time in the radio studio. You have your own show. It's called All About You. It's on yeah. Thursday mornings. You bring guests from all over Sonoma. They have a playlist of music. And they talk with you about how each song uh connects to their lives. So let's turn the tables on you, Kate. We're going to make this show all about you. Oh. Talk to us a little bit about your radio journey. So my radio journey, you know, it happened kind of crazy. It all started when I met this guy named Ronnie Joe Grooms. Hey, mm -hmm. big ups. What's up, Ronnie? Shout out to Ronnie. Hey, hey, hey. Um, so I, okay, the first time I believe I saw him, it was at my mom's restaurant. He was getting a burrito and he kind of like, lurk, not lurked, but hung around the front. It was during COVID, so we were doing front window, um, front window orders only. It was yeah. like right in the midst of it. And he came up to me, and he was like seeing how I was dealing with people, talking to them. He's like, you know, you got a great voice, and I might have an opening on a show. And you know what? Hey, come to one of the farmer's markets and, you know, come by, talk to us a little bit. And um, so sure enough, I went, I think I went a couple – Tuesday night markets later, and Ronnie was just like, sit here, put these on. I was like, what? <laughs> what? Excuse me? I think I had a few beers under my belt. I was feeling well-oiled. And um, I sat down, and I, I think it was the guys at five. I think it was a couple of those guys. Yep. And uh, my my opportunity came on. I, I think I talked about what went in one of our burritos. And I talked in probably for a few minutes. And from then on, I didn't hear – Ronnie was like, we're going to be in touch. <laughs> and a few weeks went by. I think a month went by. And then, boom, he shows up at the restaurant again. And he's like, hey, can you come into the station this day and, you know, have a little talk about it and see if it's something you'd like to do? And I was like, yeah, totally, absolutely. So I show up here, and I got a crash course into radio. I've never done anything like this before. So I got a couple little training sessions and um, Ronnie was my first guest. And from then on, I, I mean, I, it's nerve wracking when you're in here with all these buttons, all these lights, these bells, these whistles, the, the timer, this <laughs> clock looming in on the us, clock. the clock. So uh, basically, Ronnie kind of um, voice, not head hunted, but voice hunted me into it. So it kind of honestly fell into my lap. I do not have a lot of music knowledge, but I got a music show. And it's great because I'm learning along with my guests and we're, you know, pinging off each other. So that's kind of how I got into this. Yeah. And you went from, as all of us do in this radio journey, kind of panicked and like, ah, <laughs> ah, to like really sitting in and doing these great, wonderful, in-depth interviews with people through music, through something that you, that you appreciate so much. Mm -hmm. What do you think you've learned about people and about our, our little town here by sitting down and talking to Sonomans? So with my show, I find that it is such a great close-knit community. But in saying that, every single guest that I've had on has said that this town is changing. Mm. The town is changing, um, I think, for the better and not for the worst, but it's definitely changing. You know, we have a lot of people coming in here buying buying up a lot of real estate that aren't here for a lot of the year, and people kind of not share their frustrations, but the, our town is evolving. And But in saying that, we still have the core group of people here, our locals, that keep this family town vibe alive. It's like Sonoma's kind of like a little Sausalito now, but we still have the people here, especially that I bring on my show. Like my first like 25 guests have been pretty much 99% local from Sonoma mm -hmm. and you know remember those good old days but also embracing these new times that we have here but also like oh man what's going on here we're a yeah. little uh we're a, a super city now or super town super little town <laughs> so a super little town yeah. I like it well yeah. one thing I really like about your show too is that it's a blend of a couple of your different interests because not only are you passionate about people and really good at connecting people but you're an avid musician you play drums mm -hmm. and you sing in this amazing punk rock band oh. Dirty West side oh ding 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 ding, ding. you've played at uh <laughs> punk rock halloween bash at the alvarano inn uh, yeah. you've played at murphy's at that show you said i think we're gonna get closed down because yeah. we're allowed <laughs> but i have the intention of putting on a good show so yeah. kate 
Yeah. What is a good show to you? A good show to me is definitely um, having all of your set list already written out, having everyone on in your band on the same page and the same amount of alcohol. Like you can't go in there drinking a pint of brandy. I've learned my lesson. I feel my, lesson. my wheelhouse is like a couple PBRs to get you know the pipes working. And you really want to be engaged with your audience. I just started opening up my eyes when I played drums. So now I kind of look at people. I don't know if it's awkward. Oh, your eyes were closed or, before? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so, because I, I feel a lot of my friends are in the audience and they kind of like do embarrassing things to oh. throw me off my game. Gotcha. But now I, I got their number. I stare right back in that awkward blank nice. drummer stare yeah, yeah, yeah. and engage with the audience. And you know what? When people like to see you have fun, even when you make a mistake, I mean, I think people enjoy it more. When you make a mistake, you bounce back, the whole band comes back, and everyone's laughing, having a good time, doing those little side eyes like, hey, I know what you did right there. Mm-hmm. I know that you messed up on that, but we brought it back, and we had a great time. So to sum that up, engaging with the audience, coming semi-prepared, and having fun. So what about from an audience perspective? What makes a great show? What what draws you to something and makes you go, that was so much fun. I can't wait to go again. Oh, well, I have to make a, um, what is it, a, um, a shout out to the Creepy Crawlies that we played with on, um, let's see, whose birthday? It was um, Jason Sinclair's birthday. Mm-hmm. That is, in my opinion, a great show. So this lead singer is a um, commanding presence woman with an amazing punk rock voice. I I named her Halloween Adele. I don't know. I just <laughs> thought that was perfect. But she was so engaged. You could tell she was so excited. She was leaning forward. She was like eating the mic and making it sound delicious and having everyone be like, whoa, even though they've never heard them before, yeah. engaging everyone, you know, making eye contact, you know, just feeling it. You know when musicians are having a good time and you know when they're doing it like, oh, yeah, man. It's, it's contagious either you way. feel it. Yeah, there's like a pulse in the crowd. There's a pulse and the audience that is contagious and that that's what you can kind of obtain when you have a good stage presence. So having fun, engaging with your audience, I think it goes both ways from the musician standpoint and the audience standpoint and also a really good mosh pit with a bunch of slippery floor. <laughs> that makes for a great audience. Too. Yeah, that is very true. Okay, so <laughs> of all the genres, you're in the specific genre of mm-hmm. punk rock, which I think is a yeah. really cool, uh, a really cruel group. What draws you to punk rock and... With me, what draws me to punk rock is the drumming style. It still keeps it super exciting because it's almost punk rock pretty much is a sped up folk or like oh, a polka cool. yeah. or like a, like a oompapa kind yeah. of thing, just sped up. So I've played in those oompapas and the folk bands, which are super fun. Love it. But the punk rock kind of gets you alive. It's more action. I like to sweat. I like to feel it. But at the same time, don't get me wrong. I love playing those little one, two beats mm-hmm. to like, to like Timmer, let's say I shout out to Timmer. I got to do it. It's one of the best musicians, best guitar players ever. I hope to have him come on my show at some point, but, um, something, so that's kind of what draws me to it is the liveliness and the, um, and the fact that I could put my own customized spin on it sure. because we're not a cover band. Mm-hmm. So we do our originals. So no one knows what the um, what the prototype should be. What was be. one of your song names? There's like White Trash something. Uh, yeah, White Trash Sunday. Yeah, White Trash White Sunday. Sunday. Saul wrote that. Big ups to Saul Rosema, our yeah. lead singer who Shout was outs. from the randoms. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Okay, let's see. I'll name. Okay, so we have um, SF. We have Boom. We have um, F It Button. <laughs> so that's one of them. We have, uh, let's see, Karate. And we have Buzz, which is one of mine, and Daisies, which is another one of mine that I sing and produce by myself. But yeah, there's some interesting and funny lyrics. Luckily, you can't hear what we say. A lot of it's offensive. And um, and you're out there singing. You're playing drums and you're... Drums yeah. and singing. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, it's fun. So for those of us who are not as steeped in punk rock as, as you are, literally you're on stage mm-hmm. and you also know so much about the the... Uh, group and the community how would you describe the community to this community here in sonoma is my favorite place to play punk rock shows mm-hmm. w- whether you know it or not there's a still a huge a huge amount of people that still come out and still support your local punk rock yeah and there's it's people of all ages age ages. oh there's my one uh, Good uh so there's people i mean i love it when we play all ages shows because we can get the kids in there and the kids get a new stoke for it mm-hmm. like our bass player um uh, scott maroney his son dean was up he, he crowd surfed everyone lifted him up and everyone's super nice to 
to kids and it's just a really sorry i lost track of myself can you please no, it's okay you're just talking about this amazing community that you Thank developed you. This, all ages young and old exactly excited and, and stoked and not stoked yeah exactly oh yeah there's a classic picture of us playing at murphy's and there's this oh man this poor elderly lady with her hands sealed over both of her ears in like a ah, face i swear <laughs> that's epic I that swear. should be your album it cover. Should, and that's what we were talking about awesome. we have to get this this woman's permission but she you know she wrote it out and it's it's really cool no matter what you do here if you have people that love you and support you they will come out and that's our town our, town, our town is like that like that's during the, the fires people were there for you people just like our restaurant was a little meeting post of people being like hey i'm free i have a truck i have four-wheel drive and what do you need oh, are you good with horses yeah okay come up to my ranch there you go so exactly this is our town still and i would love to keep it this way so another quote about music that you that you said is, I love playing music and the chills I get when I play brings everything and everyone together. What would you say makes the sensation of playing music so special? The sensation of playing music, it's almost like a little, like when a recipe comes together, when you add that final little dash of seasoning on there, that kind of, it's, a, playing music is a euphoric kind of thing where it's a pulse and if all if everyone's connected in your band playing the same thing you don't even need to look at each other you just know you can smile and you vibrate off each other and that vibration goes from right when you get in your groove like when you're doing your radio show you know at first it's a little shaky and then you take that deep breath and then you're right in that groove and that's what man there's it's hard to explain it's like catching that perfect wave that you just kick out of and you're just like this is bliss yeah so that's how i feel about that yeah we're going to talk about you catching waves a little bit later Ooh. but besides music you've taken some cool art classes at the jc mm -hmm. you uh, are a painter but you also have even made birdhouses as gifts for people <laughs> yeah. how did you come up with that idea and then also where did this where did you get the artistic spark more generally well so good question so i grew up in glen ellen which is and i went to dunbar which is a very artsy kind of little town and I started um, playing, or playing with rocks, stacking rocks. Um, started to, we had a little stretch of creek, and I would make clay little bowls. You know, you get that green clay out of the yeah. creek. So that started me off on kind of my artistic journey, and I would go from there. I would do, you know, build sculptures. I would, um, I would find repurposed pieces of wood, like you were talking about with the birdhouses. My mom had bought this birdhouse she was going to throw away, like put in the trash. I was like, no, no, no give me that. <laughs> and I like, painted it over with white, and then I got like my Sharpie marker, and I was like, this is really cool. I like this. It's kind of like a neat little, um, you know, um, outlet for me to, to create my art on. So I started doing that and giving, it's really hard for me to give my art away. So if any of you have my art pieces out there, it was, you had to pry them from my fingers. <laughs> I don't know what it them. is. Yeah, exactly. I, a lot of like wedding gifts or paintings, cause I know it's special, but it's an extension of me and my emotions. And if you saw my room, it's a bunch of my just boom, there's all my artwork Really, just sitting there. I'm just, it's like my little, um, my throne of art that I'll never give away, but I'll let you look at. What keeps you inspired? You know, it goes in it goes in spurts. So I have been on an off year, you could say, for art. My art has been in my music, but I usually like in six months I'll draw every day or I'll paint every day because you're inspired by certain things, and then for the next six months it could go away. You, your inspiration comes and goes as life. It's you're right. the ebb and flow. So it's, and the worst thing about art is to force yourself to do it and be like, oh, I have to get this done. Oh, this doesn't look good to me. Oop. And if you're not in the right mindset, I feel like you, um, you're you kind of cheating your art. Give yourself patience and time. Yeah, I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's all about seasons. You know, mm -hmm. we just got out of winter. We're admiring this beautiful spring. And you just have to admire the season that you're in, whether it's art or otherwise. So exactly. Maybe you're in, your spring is coming up for you, Kate. I, I'm a summer girl. I am. There yeah, you go. I, I like shorts and I like tans and, you know, <laughs> all that. Sun's out, guns out. Sun's I out, guess. guns out. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about a lot of interesting local things, whether that be messing with clay in the in the backyards of Glen Ellen to mm -hmm. playing in punk rock bands here at the El Verano Inn. <laughs> You're a local gal through and through. You went to Montessori, Dunbar, Altamira, then Sonoma High. Mm -hmm. Very Sonoma-focused. What would you say are some of your early Sonoma memories? Early Sonoma memories, that would bring me back to Glen Ellen for sure. I grew up on a little um, cul-de-sac, Robertson Road, just up from the lodge. You take a right. It was the absolute perfect place for a child to grow up with um, with a really good imagination. I love to, 
you know, climb trees, play with my friends. I had, te- shout out to Teddy, you know, my next door neighbor, Rachel. We used to throw uh, plays. We used to come up with plays and make the whole neighborhood come out and watch. But So my earliest memories definitely are hanging out with my older sister. She's six years older, so her... My early memories are kind of like latching onto her and her friends and play, paying, uh, playing kick the can. Loved playing kick the What's can. What's that? It's when you, everyone dresses in black, you put a little can on your driveway, and it's kind of like capture the flag, but it's like the first person to kick the can over with no one seeing wins. And there's like people guarding it, and it's a cool summer game. I don't know if anyone else has ever played that, but I remember that. And also I remember getting scared that you know what out of after watching the Michael Jackson thriller music oh, video yeah. on MTV next yeah. to her, Rachel Buscovich's house. I, was, I thought the Madrone trees were going to eat me. On my, on my 10-foot walk home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those, I have to say, were like my earliest kind of like Sonoma-like. Well, you had a little generous streak, too. I hear that you used to go to Snow Market and bring free candy to school. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. So you did talk to my mom. <laughs> yeah, I thought of myself as the uh, Willy Wonka Peter Pan, I guess you could say. And, oh, yeah, I used to go and get candy almost every single day from Sonoma Market. And yeah, bring it to my bring friends at school. school and exactly. be like, hey everybody, I got what the you goods. need with a trench coat. Mm, but instead of charging people, it would be free. I don't know if I That's bought epic. my friends back then, but hey, they're still, I still am friends with a ton of those people from back then. I think there's something about little kids that just do that. I remember I used to, <laughs> I used to sell flowers. Oh. I would cut flowers and sell them, but I would give them to people and also give them a quarter. I like didn't understand. Oh I like had all my quarters. That's there's so something sweet. there's something funny about little kids just like wanting to give stuff away. Beautiful. Well there are the givers and there are the takers. I remember those children in school that were take, 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 but Francisco, <laughs> we're givers. Always got you out of your merchandise. <laughs> exactly. So you talked a little bit about your older sister who's six years older than you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she may have been an inspiration what became your next chapter in life, which was playing golf at Sonoma Valley High School, Varsity Golf. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your golf journey? Oh, wow. Yeah, this is a fun journey because I started playing golf when I was about eight years old. So uh, back then, my mom's, my mom and my mom owned a restaurant. So pretty much instead of babysitting, we would get dropped off at the golf course Mm. all day long. No way. So I would start out there and my sister would be there. And she, since she was older, she had her own. She used to work there. She was the first cart girl ever. But I used to play. So I, I'm a lefty, but my sister's a righty. So I learned how to play golf right-handed. Wow. Um, I had to. Golf clubs are expensive, and hand-me-downs are free. <laughs> so I, uh, so I still play right-handed, but I putt left-handed. So I still maintain that little, like. Um, Nuance. Piece of myself. Yeah, there you go. And also, my sister and I used to compete in junior golf association tournaments during the summertime. And my sister was really, really, really good. I would pretty much hole out at 13 strokes a hole because that's when you'd have to pick your ball up. So I was shooting 128s, <laughs> 116s. Like I was, oh man, I was just a cute little girl on the course there. But when I got a little older, my parents would send us to Stanford Golf Camp. That was the most fun ever. We got to play on the actual Stanford golf course. Tiger Woods would come out. Jerry Rice would come out. Clint Eastwood would come out and give us pointers. No way. And we'd stay in the dorms. And uh, I'm going to toot my own horn here. I got Camper of the Week three different years in a row. Yep. I know. Soft clap. Golf clap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Golf clap. And, uh, and my best uh, winning was most easily coached. I don't know if that's hey, a good thing these that's days. That's a great thing. That means that you were improving <laughs> and your coaches were like, if I tell her something, she's going to learn. And I'm proud. I'm proud of that. Stanford Golf Camp. And then after that, I did play in high school for Coach Hickerson. RIP. We love you, Coach Hick. And I had a great time on that golf team. Rules were a lot more relaxed. Yeah. And yeah, it was a good time. So there seems to be a theme, uh, Kate, that you blend all kinds of different worlds. You're in the punk rock world and you're also in the golf world. Yeah. What uh, Golf can sometimes seem inaccessible to a lot of people. What do you mm-hmm. wish people knew about the golf world or what's some great stuff that you like about it that you wish you could share? Great question. Golf is a universal sport that anybody can play. Mm. If you're two, if you're 80, if you're 90, anyone can play golf. Do not get intimidated because I just heard this stat the other day that made me feel really good. 85% of golfers golf at around 100 strokes for 18 holes. That's like right in my wheelhouse. If I was to go go. play right now, I'd probably be around 100 in there. So golf is that sport where you can go out and hang out with your friends no matter how good or how bad you are. It's the smell of the course, the way it sounds when the ball hits the green. It's the camaraderie. It's the beer. 
It's not the beer. It's, you know, it's the sandwiches. It's, um, it's kind of being in a different element, and you're out in nature, and it's a great way to kill. I mean, if you're playing 18 holes, you're probably going to be there around five, six, six hours. So it's a great way to kill a day, get some exercise. Mm-hmm. And, a bit, I mean, my sister used to make business deals out on the golf course. That's these the people, these, uh, these Asian men usually don't kind of, like, respect, like, the women golf situation. So my, my sister's bosses would be like, okay, on this hole bet them three units of the company, which would be like equivalent to millions of dollars. Oh my god! And she'd go out there and make the deals and win the holes and was a very quick favorite of wow. that company. So that's why golf is so cool. Anyone can do it. Deal. Do not be intimidated. It's a little expensive, but there are ways to get past that if you go on off times. That's a great idea. Well, among those tips and others, we're still going to get into it. We're going to have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with the amazing Kate Bruno. Hello, Sonoma, and welcome back. I'm here with my guest, Kate Bruno. We were just talking about the amazing world of golf, and I want to talk about another world that you were a part of. Mm-hmm. So you spent summers while you're doing golf in the in the varsity golf at Sonoma High. You spent summers in Santa Cruz mm-hmm. as a surf teacher. You even competed in surf competitions in your, in your off time. Yeah. What got you into surfing? So surfing was, so my mom's, uh, my mom's ex-business partner slash partner, uh, Jill, was very involved in like kind of like the surf culture. She grew up in Pasadena. And um, one day I was like, you know what? I want to surf. She was like, yeah, really? You mm-hmm. want to surf? Okay. Took me to Bolinas, took me to the surf shop. She got me a wetsuit, got me a board. It was like, all right, you carry that thing all the way to the beach. It was like a half a mile. <laughs> I'd never carried anything that heavy in my whole life. It was an 8.6, soft top, hard bottom, super cool board. Wonder ever what happened to that thing. And she took me to Bellinas for three days in a row. Normally, it takes someone maybe an hour to stand up, but I was by myself. It took Whoa. me three days in the river mouth at Bellinas to finally learn how to stand up. You stuck with it. I stuck with it, and it, it's just weird stoke. It's like this when you catch that first wave, not like it, not in the white water. When you catch a swell for the first time, and there's just silence and the sound of your fins cutting through that water. There's, it's absolutely addicting. It's unexplainable. And you can't get enough from the smell of the surf wax to the smell of your wetsuit when you take it off to the seaweed milling around. It's just an amazing spiritual experience and a great workout. Man, let me tell you, really good workout. I don't know if I could do that these days. It's been years since I've surfed. Really? But you still keep yeah. that vibe, I feel like. Yeah. Shaka Narnar, man. All the time. <laughs> yeah. So besides surfing, you're a really good wakeboarder, and mm-hmm. you've said that you love all extreme sports. Yeah. The more dangerous, the better, though you've been called a slow driver. <laughs> I don't know who said that. <laughs> Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe you got the bug early. Uh, maybe skateboarding down the Diamond Day Hill with oh, no helmet. Yeah. What draws you to sports <laughs> in the extreme? Um, I think it's before I found beer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. Scratch that from the record. No, the extreme sports bug. I think it had a lot to do with the friends I hung out with and the things that they would do. And I just some people are a little bit more adventurous and need that little thing to let you know that life is precious. Yeah. Like when you bomb down that hill and you get the speed wobbles and yeah. you think you're going to lose it and you come back and you make it out of it and you're like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> and then five minutes later, you're walking right back up the hill again to do it. Yeah. Cheating death. Like, oh, man, every day before high school, me and my best friend, Chris Sakocha, would roll down 2nd Street West from the very top. And I mean, if there's a car coming and turning right you're or just... left, you are smoked like you're done. So knock on this um, wood here. Me, Chris and I never had eaten it, but we did take Chris's little sister one time, and she had to go to the emergency room before school. Yeah, there's something about that, <laughs> so too. we're crazy. Craziness. Crazy. And you keep doing it. You keep I loving this, that, that extremity. It's just something about the excitement or the energy or the, the lit, lit life. It's like it's like this. It's like a radio show. It's like jumping out of a plane, which I've done. I've also skydived. That really? was really Where? cool. Uh, over SF, um, skydive SF gate. No way. It was really, really fun. They did a really cool thing for the first responders after the fires. They offered free skydiving. And my buddy uh, Angus took me and we went and he was sheet white the whole time. <laughs> and I could not wait to do it again. Yeah. Couldn't wait to do so it again. I can it just was imagine. so gnarly. So yeah, it's just it's um it's a fun time. I think there's just a screw loose, I guess you could say too. In well, I think you have a certain appreciation for life that unfortunately many people don't learn until they're much much older, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you've from a young age have always had that 
right after your high school, you moved to Mexico, mm -hmm. where you say you got into a little trouble and had a lot of life experiences. <laughs> yeah. What took you to Mexico? So um, what took me to Mexico is my mom's um, ex-partner, Jill, had bought a house there in San Francisco, which is short or long for San Pancho. And it's 40 minutes north of Puerto Vallarta. It's 10 minutes north of Sayulita, which a lot of people from Sonoma go to. Mm -hmm. um, so that is, so she moved there. She bought a house on Calle Tahiti, which is Tahiti Road, over <laughs> in San Pancho. And I went and started staying with her after high school. After high school, all my friends went to Europe. They, you know, did the backpacking hostel thing. And I'm more of a tropical girl. I don't really want to go escape to more cold weather. <laughs> so I went to Mexico. I'm like, anywhere where I don't need to wear a wetsuit, yeah. mm, this is for I'm me. In. I am in with that. Um, so I went and stayed with Jill. And I was only supposed to go for three months, and I stayed for nine. And yes, my um, passport was flagged because I overstayed my welcome. So don't do that, people. Don't do you that. You can't just get away with it. But um, that's part of the little bit of trouble, huh? It well, we could <laughs> let's go with that. Francisco. Let's go with that. <laughs> let's go with that. So that's what drew me there was Jill, basically. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know you have a lot of really great stories from your time there. Was the total that you spent was it nine months? Nine months. Mm -hmm. So Correct. you got? Uh, did you get? Tell us about some of those stories. I mean, you, sea urchins are involved, uh -huh. uh, policia, noche mexicana. Oh, yeah. You totally. can share any of those that you want. Okay. Or hmm. keep, we can keep a couple start? of them on the DL. You know, people got to meet Kate. To you know what? I'm an open book. I have nothing to hide anymore. At 37 years old, I really have nothing to hide. Fantastic. So let's um, let's start with... Um, Just something to intrigue the people of Sonoma, you know? Cool. You're about Mexico. They're like, oh, let's lie on a res resort beach or whatever. And like, yeah. no. <laughs> let's <laughs> learn. You know what's really funny? Is um, when I when I first got hired there, they were like, "Okay, Kate, it's your job to make an advertisement for us." I was like, "Cool, can I have a camera? I'm gonna go take pictures of the waves." They're like, "No, no, no! You go in your surfer magazine, you find the best waves, and you put that on the website." Nice. I was like, "Okay," and I just like started cutting out like Tahiti, <laughs> Waimea. I'm like, "This will draw people to our resort." So that was really really long time ago. But um, so I work for a resort called Costa Azul. And I was the um, I was the jack of all trades there, and we'll get into Noche Mexicana, and I had to do that too. But I was the only person that spoke fluent English there, so I was automatically signed up to do. I did uh, the waterfall tour, I did the sunset horse tour, mind you, classic um, alone. I had seven uh. horses, and I was the lead horse girl. And the lead horse, his name was Bonito, and he could dance. So if you touched him a certain way on the horse, he'd get up on his hind legs and start doing his dance. And I didn't even mean to, but I, I made him do the dance all the time wow. for the guests. But to trust me with seven horses, what were they thinking? <laughs> but back to the um, the um, this Ariso, which is sea urchin story, I was um, going on a surf guide trip. And I got to pick where we used to surf and go. So I checked the conditions, checked what the what the wind was doing, what the tides were doing, because I had about like four or five places to pick from. And some of them were by van, and some of them you could only get to by boat. And those were my favorite ones because I knew there was going to be less people in the lineup. So when you're a surf guide, you um, you pack the coolers, you pack the boards, you make sure everyone's good, it's got their sunscreen and all that. And you have to let them have all the best waves. Yeah, you can't snag a set wave, and it's like your mouth is watering. And it's it's really horrible to say, but in my head, I'd be like, "Fall, fall right now! <laughs> if you fall right now, I'll still have a chance to get on the board and get this wave. Fall, fall!" So uh, my bad karma is already already melt like uh, building up. Yeah. So I have this uh, really cool group of people. I loved. Everyone that I took out, they're really cool people. So this one person, this one girl is paddling for a wave, super nice set wave, and the tide's lowering, so the rocks are starting to get exposed as every wave crashes. So she catches a set wave on the outside, and I'm like, oh, fall, fall, this will be perfect. I'm in the right, I'm in the totally right position. And she falls. I was like, oh, yeah, here's my time. So I start paddling for the wave. And I and right when I start paddling for the wave, I see that sucking out, which means like the water is receding and the rocks are starting to show. And there's a bunch of sea urchins everywhere, but there's this one rock that's like, oh man, that is the Goliath of all sea urchin rocks. And I was like, whatever I do, do not fall there, do not fall there. I'll just fall on my bottom, yeah, anywhere but there. And I'm like, oh no, uh, time is up on the wave. The wave closes out early, and I go like a cannonball. I think I'm even like tucking my legs right into that rock. Right in there, right oh, on top of no. the Oriso rock, right there. And the first thing I do is get back on my board and look behind me, and there's like 
three inch spines <gasps> like poking all the way out of my board shorts oh, and way no. more broken off already in my not face but bottom cheek yeah so <laughs> already oh, in there gosh. so at this point we're not even like halfway through our little voyage so I just go on the beach I lay like belly down <laughs> how am I gonna do this and it's a whole boat ride home too so it's not like a van ride or anything it's a boat ride home so I'm going on the boat and it's just like boom 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 <laughs> the whole way back and it's really hard to be on a boat not on your bottom sitting down so I get back and I'm like what am I gonna do thank God I had a Mexican novio you know that's when I was experimenting with everything so I did have a, a boyfriend back then and he had this table he folded out and he pulled every single last one of the espinas out uh, for me and oh, I think legend. God for that what was I going to do if I didn't have him be like hey um hey coworker, I yeah. got a special request you want to pull out these arisos for me but uh, I think I got what uh, was coming for me by wishing for people to fall that was that's what happens and the urchins were listening the, the urchins were listening <laughs> <laughs> I swear I can still feel, feel them in my bloodstream sometimes I'm sure you can you're <laughs> half sea urchin now I might I feel like Pirates of the Caribbean here <laughs> so we hinted at this uh, that not only were you surfing you were a surf instructor Yep. surf leader you're a surf mm -hmm. expert what are some mm -hmm. you know surfing is known for its classic expressions we've got the gnar we've got the wave what are some what are some uh, words that you wish would leak oh, into the this typical is a good vocabulary one. shoulder hopper don't do that everyone that means if you're already on a wave and someone goes in front of you mm. and catches that wave we don't want to do that unless and you fall that's also unless you fall exactly and that's called snaked don't get snaked there's also wipeout. There is red tide. Don't go out on the red tides. They're super stinky. Yucky, yucky. Uh, let's see, outside. So whenever uh, anyone's surfing and you see a set coming in, I don't. I think it's really stupid to do that because I'm not going to give away. If there's a set coming, I'm going to get in position. So some people are like, outside, yeah, we got a big one coming in. You're like, be quiet. <laughs> and, but if you see people start paddling really fast in one place, then you know a good set is coming yeah let's see um uh purling whenever you see someone purl feel free to laugh it's hilarious it's when you're too far forward on your board and it just goes bloop out the back <laughs> bloop, right there and there's also um turtling i like to turtle because i am a longboarder so if you're surfing in kind of big waves turtling is when you um it's almost like a longboard duck dive so you uh you're paddling you're paddling and you dunk so the belly of the board is having the wave crash over it. So that is um, oh cool. That is a good way to not get um, your you know what handed to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. There's also uh, let's see groms. That, those are young surfers. And what is it? What is that one? Um, that one that's called someone that really is a idiot in the lineup. Oh, Francisco. Get that. Oh, <laughs> do you surf? No, <laughs> I yeah. surfed like three times and it was a disaster. Like you're a pro. No, you're probably. Does Grom apply to people who are inexperienced, or is it just young people? Young people. Okay. Young kids. Just Groms. Like, Groms. Yeah. What else, man? I wish I would have. Um, well, you're killing it with the vocab. Research that. Um, you know, left or right. You know, when you go left on a wave or right. Oh man, I got barreled in this awesome ride, but you know, I'm I'm a goofy foot and I should have been a regular. Goofy awesome. foot, right foot forward, regular foot, left foot forward. You're speaking an exciting exciting new language, and, and <laughs> I think that highlights, again, these different worlds that you're a part of. Yeah. Uh, what would you – and I think it's so special that you're able to pass it along to other people as a surf guide, as a surf instructor. Yeah. Take that feeling you felt in Bolinas for the first time and <laughs> oh, let other yeah. people experience it. Oh, man. So the, the place I used to work for, they had a guarantee. If you didn't stand up during the lesson, it was on us. So No way. Yeah. So this is me. So this is what I'd have to do. I'd have to go behind them, paddle, 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 catch the wave, push them into the wave, re-catch the wave, stand up, go next to them, pick them up by their booty, <laughs> and then hold them up by their armpits. And I go, you're standing, you're standing. And that way I wouldn't have to give them a refund. That's so, so funny. So that is, if that's not skill, I don't know what is. That's how you develop. That is how you develop. And if you really don't want someone cutting in on your wave too, I've done this a million times, you just lift up the nose of their surfboard and they slowly fall out the back of the wave. <laughs> There you but, go. You know, you, you got all the you tips. Do. Yeah, here I am. Well, I'm so excited that you're able to share that passion with other people, uh, both by sharing your stories here, but also just by being a, a, profesh, a professional mm. and, a, and a surfer. I don't know. What, if you what could was ever the be surf competition scene like? Because I feel like that's a different vibe. It is a different vibe. It's super crazy. So I did a lot of. So I did this when I was younger, from when I was, I'd say, 16 to 
18. I would do these little competitions. I used to love doing this one competition, Women on Waves in Capitola. Mm -hmm. And it was a really, really friendly environment for women longboarding. And it would be, you'd go out on, I think it was like a two or three heats and you get five waves and they would judge you on three of the best of your five waves so you'd have to choose them wisely you couldn't mm. and, and if you're like you're stuck for time you have to go catch a what we call a whale fart which is a tiny little <laughs> ripple in the water just to get your points in yeah. and you try to get that going and there were also a lot of tournaments where you could just literally show up and sign up like on the no side way. of the road be like oh this is Gromfest. i did th one of those was called Gromfest, and i did that one with my friend and i came in second place on that one i also did what were the other man i can't remember the other there were a few more turn i mean i wasn't i didn't win any money i did win prizes i won this really cool backpack i won a set of fins i won a few cool things from those tournaments, but definitely by no means was I getting any sponsors or anything like that. It was just like a little side hustle. I love wearing those colored rash guards. Yeah. Getting judged by the judges. Yeah. So I wish I could have gone farther in that. But surfing, man, your timeline, your age is very limited with all these young, awesome these people groms. coming up. Yeah, these grom and grommets, man. Groms narring it up. Shaka narnars. So I'm glad that you're so, uh, I think that you've, I'm glad that you're so, you go with the flow very well. Uh, yeah. You've done that throughout your career as a surfer and now here on the radio. I hope you're all okay that we're going to have to go with the flow right into a little break. Let's do it. Bring it. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Hello Sonoma. I'm your host, Francisco. I'm here with my guest, Kate Bruno. Hello. We were just talking about your amazing connection to Mexico, your time there as a surfing instructor and as a big surfer, um, and how amazing it was that you were able to pass on that connection to others. Another way in which you're passing your Mexico connection on to others is through a, a little a little restaurant you your family has here in Sonoma. Mm -hmm. You may have heard of it. It's called Juanita Juanita. Uh, it's been it's a kind of an iconic part of Sonoma's restaurant scene. You've been going there since you were a kid in your pajamas. In an IT article, they described the food saying, "Flavors are brilliant with generous seasoning. An armada of bottled hot sauces awaits for those who like to play with fire, and portions are huge." What do you like about the restaurant experience? Restaurant experience. Uh, could we start with what I don't? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a longer list? I love, no, no, don't get me wrong. I've been doing this for my entire life. It is the most rewarding experience. It is the most challenging experience. It is the most, uh, people and food is a very artistic and beautiful meddling. I mm -hmm. mean, you get people that come in and they might have low blood sugar and they might be really hungry and they turn into a completely different person yeah. after they eat. And I love, it's very, so our restaurant's very unique because we do have tons of tourists, but are pretty much legit. We are local. We, I have had the same people coming in on a weekly basis, daily basis for years, years, 20 years, 30 years. So that, I really like the sense of, I feel like home there, mm -hmm. I feel very safe comfortable and I feel like I put a lot of hard work and effort and I really want everything to be perfect. I really take heart to, you know, always trying to be the best and treating all of our employees well and making sure everyone has a good time on my shift. You know, I always have to have people laughing. Laughter. When I go into a restaurant, the best thing that I see is the kitchen staff having fun. Yeah. Because if you're having fun, it really relates to the food. The food is going to be good. The food is going to be good because they're happy making it. And it's weird. It's like with plants. You play plants like really like bad, really negative music, and then you play them reggae, and you see the plants that listen to the reggae music are way more prosperous, way more chill. happy, and the heavy metal plants were a little more droopy. <laughs> but And I love feeding people. I love just being, I love having, it's definitely the challenge. It's a challenge. It's a beautiful challenge. And man, my mom does most of it, so kudos to her. She is the one, the woman behind the plan. I'm just the face, but she is the one I could never, ever do without Shout her. Shout out to Catherine. Shout out to my mother, Catherine, and for all the stuff she has to deal with on a daily basis from thermostats to uh, the right kind of beans to the meat costs, trying not to pass along too much of the cost to the consumer. It's a whole, like, very intricate little web. Well, it's amazing because, you know, people and food go together. It's a way that you can connect people through food. And by hosting such a community space like Juanita Juanita, it's like you're really you're really able to bring people together. Would you say that's true? You see people absolutely. coming together at the spot? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I see a lot of um, 
I mean, even this love connections happen at uh, Juanita's. Whoa. Imagine that. You know, two lonely people at the end of the bar, and I know both of them, and I think they might be cool for each other. That's happened a few times. That has. It a has. little matchmaker. Yeah. Can't you know, wait. I love doing that, but I don't like it when it doesn't work out because they always blame you. Hey, what can you do? But like you were saying with the um, community and all that, and I think I brought it up, like during the fires, no one had power. You couldn't even see like a quarter mile down the road. So a lot of people were using our um, restaurant as a little outpost, awesome. a place to share information, not only food, but information. And we're a safe place too. We've had people come in and be like, I feel like I'm in an unsafe situation. And we pretend like, we, you know, we know them and lock the door. I mean, it's a safe place. It's a definitely, um, we're one of the last places where it's kind of like a family environment where you can just come in and say, hey, come and eat alone, have that little diner feel. We really haven't changed much about it, except for we totally redid the kitchen. We have a new bathroom, yada, yada. But the front will remind you of old Sonoma, old-time Sonoma, mm, family, feel. warmth. Looking out know. for one another. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're, you have an amazing quality. i got to shout out again to your oh. mother. She wanted me to ask you this question. She knows that you're a lefty mm-hmm. and a big baseball fan. So you <laughs> might not have a big fastball, but you were able to throw a burrito pretty fast. Oh, no. Oh, man. I knew she was going to bring the story up. <laughs> I love that story. But Ugh. the most amazing part, Kate, is that afterwards you're friends with the guy you yeah. threw the burrito at. Totally. Yes. Should I tell the story? Heck yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not going to say his name over That's the okay. air. You can but say he, friends. It was me. I'll say it was you okay we'll go with that that's how we met yeah back then i was a little feisty i still am a little feisty and um this guy comes up you know he's uh smoking a cigarette in the entryway and you know i maybe once or twice have smoked a cigarette in my life and i'm like hey man you know i smoke too it's all good if you could just go around the corner and just smoke there and then all of a sudden he goes i'm not your man who do you think i am i'm not your man man i was like well okay Sorry about that. Um, if you could just step around the corner, I'll make sure your food's ready. And starts to have just kind of an attitude, and I kind of know where knew where it was going. I didn't even think I charged him. And I was like, hey, man, here's your burrito. Thanks a lot. And he's like, I didn't want this. Throws it back to me. Threw it back to me. It rolled and hit my leg, and I picked it up. I felt like Brandon Crawford. I picked it up. I fielded it. I threw it out his really big truck, and it honestly, it you couldn't have gotten a better splatter. It hit right in the middle of the windshield, and it went boom. Not one bean fell on the floor. Not one windshield wiper could ever fix that. That and I, I, I don't know what came over me. The devil. I would have never done that these days. This was probably like over 15 years ago, and. And um, I saw him a couple years ago. He was like, dude, I was the one you threw the burrito at. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, I'm going to put you in my comedy routine if that's okay with you. He's like, yes, just use my name. you got to use my name. I want all the credit I can get. And we went to high school together. And he came back and he, like, profusely apologized. And he said he was having a bad day. And, you know, we all have our days. We all have our times. But moral of this story is I got away with throwing a burrito at someone's car. My well, mom's all, that's my lifelong dream. <laughs> <laughs> I think not everyone can get away with that, Kate, and that speaks no. that speaks volumes about what you're able to do in the community that you can have. And I think <laughs> <Throw> burritos. Uh, <laughs> well, I think if you build a trusting safe space for people and you get angry, it means that they violated the safe space. You know what Thank I mean? Thank you, Francis. So I feel like I would never be sharing these violent stories on, on Hello Sonoma. Yeah. This is about community and, and friendship. Don't, don't worry, everyone. I won't throw a burrito but, at you, um, I promise. But I think it's fun to share funny things That like is that. funny. That was... A what, good story. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate yeah, that. Blushing. Yeah. So I know you like to go out and fish, too. Did you ever yeah. bring anything back to the kitchen? No. You know what? The only, I'm not allowed to do that. Like, we can't. Like, <laughs> what's, what's, it's what's your connection red, to fishing? Red, uh, striped bass tacos yeah. <laughs> on the menu. No, what I have done, though, is I caught my one and only fish that I – oh, this story is heartbreaking. So I'm fishing, and Maria from the kitchen is always like, mija, please, mija, please, get me a pescado. Mm -hmm. And finally, I was like, okay. I was fishing. I got a nice keeper. I had never, ever had to kill a fish, nor do I ever want to again. But I had this fish. I caught it, and this bum was walking by with, like, a Miller Lite. It was, like, 8 in the morning. I was like, hey, man, come here. Can you please kill this fish for me? And I found the one piece of wood I could find, which was a dried-out piece of driftwood that weighed, like, 2 ounces. And he, like, hit it over the head twice. And he was like, there you go. I was like, it's not dead. Yeah. Please don't go. Please don't leave. So long story short, I I had to uh, put this poor fish out of its misery. And that is the one and only fish that I've ever brought back to Maria. But she brought it home for Tony, her husband, and they made ceviche out of it. And it was delicious for them. But But you love fishing. I do love fishing as long as I can throw them back. Like I caught. What do you love about it? 
I love the feeling. So I'm like a lazy fisherwoman. I go and get my bait. I um, have my little, my rig already rigged up from the store. I don't even bother tying it. I get little bells for the tip of my pole. I pull up my chair, crack open a nice, um, I don't know, iced tea, water, Coors Light, something. And I sit back and I wait for the bell to ring. And when the bell rings, I know the fish is biting. And then I go and I try not to set the hook too tight. But I go and I reel up that fish and it's just like a, a nature. You never know what's on the end of your line. I've caught stingrays. I've caught fishing nets. I've caught a road sign. I've caught, really? <laughs> I've caught a bunch of weird things fishing. That's for sure. But you pull it up and you're like, I did this. Like I got, I'm a provider, but I don't provide. I throw it back to the river. It's just, it's a, it's a really cool uh, feeling of being attached to nature and a link to humans and nature, I guess yeah, you could say. for sure. And it's, it's very humbling. It is humbling, and it teaches yeah. patience and a lot of great things. Lots of patience. The Bay Area has a really cool fishing culture, actually. It does. People fish all over the place. They do. I'm going on May 18th for a link cod at a 200-feet depth for the first time in, like, 20 years. Go get them, Kate. So I'm going to really get seasick, but I'm going to get them. We'll keep our fingers crossed for you. Thank you. So going back to the restaurant, I'm sure that in the kitchen you were constantly putting out fires, whether it's literally in the kitchen or in the front of house with uh, Riley guests. Oh, yeah. Uh, But it must have served you very well as a volunteer firefighter for Sonoma Valley. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. How did you decide to do that? Great time. My father, Mike Bruno, was a captain in the Valley for, I think, 30. Oh, he's going to be kicking me right now if I don't get the exact month, day, hour, (laughs) minute, but around 30 years as a captain. Uh And when I came back from Mexico, I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, and I wanted to get some attention from my dad. So I became a first responder. Like, I went and did that. I did my EMT school, and then I became – I did the Volunteer Academy in Sonoma. And for nine years, I would work pretty much every Thursday, and then I'd go to drill Thursday nights, and then we'd have our meetings. And I, it was just a really rewarding experience to be able to see all these people in the community you help. you Like, be, listeners, I don't think you realize how many calls these guys go on from whether it be a lift assist to a cat in a tree to... Does that actually happen? Uh-huh. That has actually happened. And some captains will go, some won't. But I think the ones that won't have retired okay. because they found out that sometimes cats don't come down from the tree sometimes and you need to go get them. Um, But there is so much stuff that these guys do, these guys and girls do, that you would not even imagine in all times of the day. So it's really amazing seeing all the hard work that the full-timers do, the part-timers, the volunteers, everything, the auxiliary, the wives, everyone's involved, the fireworks. My gosh, it's such, we talk about that all year and they raise the money all year. I say we like I'm still in the department. I mean, I still have dreams. But, yeah, that really was a really fun nine years of hard work, patience, sorrow, happiness, you know, life, death. It's really, really cool. And anyone in this valley can be a volunteer. Go to Station 1, talk to Macy, and you'll see kind of the things that you can do because they really need volunteers. And it's really rewarding, and it really lets you give back. So yeah, it does. I, mean, I can I can imagine that the experience taught you so much. Were you there during the fires in 2017, or was that I your wasn't. buddy? Okay, I cool. had just um, stopped at the wildland fires. Scare me so much. It is so scary, Francisco. Yeah. I mean, they'd even do drills in the at bay, which is where they park the engines. Of all the windows and everything blacked out, you don't even know which way the exit is. How, like during a wildfire, you don't even know what side, you know, Napa is from from Petaluma. It's absolutely crazy what those guys do. So I'm really happy that I narrowly missed that because I would have been really scared. Yeah, it sounds scary. (laughs) They're heroes, absolutely. So what would you say that the experience taught you? What kind of lessons do you keep with you from your time on the... Man, patience. You have to... You never know everyone's story. You know, you never know what lies behind the doors of someone's existence. I mean, you're like, oh, gosh, that person, yuck. And then you're like, wow, I can't believe that they're come from this. I really am a jerk, and I need to rethink how I think about people and being thankful for what you have. My gosh, if you can walk, you're great. If you can breathe, you know, you're lucky. There's a lot of people way worse off than anyone that you could ever believe, even in our town, maybe even next door to you. You never know what's happening. So it really caused you to be humble. Yeah, and compassionate, it sounds like. Compassionate, for sure. Oh, yeah. 
So yeah. friends might describe you as the life of the party, <laughs> hilarious and quick-witted, sarcastic, rebellious. But as you just mentioned, you're also deeply empathetic and caring, oh. both people and animals. you got two cats, a bunny, even yeah. take your cat on walks in your yeah. backpack. That is I'm ultimate compassion. I'm so happy compassion. you brought this up. I got my new cat back, to, bah, doo, blah, 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 cat, back, back, back. cat backpack today. You know, I saw a bird in a backpack once. It was I a transparent that. bird. I've seen that. Backpack, anyway. So cool. So your friends might describe you as these things. Yeah. How would you describe yourself? Oh, that's a really hard question. I wish I could prepare for this. How would I describe myself? I would say always striving, maybe not in a timely manner to be who I want to be. I know the end goal, and I'm a very stubborn person even within my own head. I don't know what it is, and I I know I have to file my taxes, and I know I've had to do this like two months ago, but every time I do it, I feel like I get like cold sweats, but I feel like I'm a person that means the – very passionate to a fault, whether it be mm -hmm. good or bad way. Um, I'm always willing to learn something new if I can. Um, I'm willing to give a helping hand, like with a bad attitude, but I'll give a helping hand. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and if anyone, if anyone needs help, I will honestly be there for you. So. Well, it sounds like that's been a quality that's been with you for your whole life. I got some insider information. As you know, I talked to your mom. <laughs> and she said, Kate was born as a baby that never cried. For the first month of her life, she was the most mellow, chill, inquisitive, easy child. <laughs> and uh, she started out with the personality she has today. You say that's pretty right? Oh, that's very sweet. We have a very um, chill existence up there on the hill. Yeah. My mom and I. Yeah. yeah, I think that's powerful to be able to have that connection. You know, we grow up at, with our parents as parents, and as we get older, we realize that they're people too, and being able to have that adult relationship. Or maybe you'll be their parent. Yeah. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, Mom. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally. It's a very, like, special little relationship. And I was very happy because at first I was like, no, 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 don't call my mom, don't call my mom. Call, call, my, call my buddy Shane. Mm -hmm. And my mom took offense. She was like, oh. How could you not have me be yeah. interviewed? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, okay. Mom. Well, I think the good thing about moms is that they want to share the best. They want to share the best about you. And I think that that's ultimately what I hope this show is about. It's about showing oh. the best of the people all around us. And you've really done a wonderful job. Thank you. you know, we have a couple of minutes left, Kate. Is there anything that you want to send out under the airwaves of, to the <sighs> people of Sonoma? What should we send out? Okay, I want to send out this one phrase here. Summer is coming. Summer is coming. Summer is going to be amazing. We have all been in this little closet of COVID in despair, in rain, 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 rain. Can I say this for two minutes? Rain. <laughs> it's been a lot. We've been very patient. And I know, like, you don't want to be greedy, but enough is enough. Let's get on with the Let's with the sun, the tourists. Let's get on with, like, live music. Let's get on with vacations, staycations. There you go. Well, I usually don't plug things for my guests, but I'm going to plug two things for you. Dirty West Side, everyone oh, check it out. If there's a show coming up, it's definitely worth going to. Lots of energy, lots of fun. <laughs> and every Thursday morning, I know that you're not doing too much at 10 a.m. on Thursday mornings. Now you should tune in, 91.3, to Kate Bruno's It's All About You. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the program, Kate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Francisco, you are a rock star. You're the <laughs> you rock star. Are awesome. You're no. literally the rock star. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no way. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. And thank yeah. you, Sonoma, for tuning in. It has been a pleasure. We have had so much fun talking here with Kate Bruno. And as you know, that we've reached the end of this episode. Remember, it's not goodbye. It's hello, Sonoma. Oh.